Hi everyone, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. And this is Betty Squared. And for those of you who can't see us, which is all of you, <laughs> Heidi's hair looks lovely. <laughs> Damn it, Jess. Um, <laughs> I wish we were recording for that conversation. It's so <laughs> silly. I was like, I was saying to Heidi, I'm like, okay, you ready to go? She's like, yep. And then she started laughing. And I was like, what? She's like, I just fixed my hair. Like, I'm getting ready to go live for our audio podcast. So I've got to look good. <laughs> it made me laugh. Which I've never, is never a thing I do. Like today I had to get ready before the podcast to make sure that I'm good to go when we're done because I have to run off. But like but- usually when we do the podcast, it's before I get ready. So I just look like crap and roll out of bed. Like, but I think maybe it's because my makeup's done and because I'm dressed for the day that I'm like, and now I look like a person, so I should try and look like a person. You're it's so funny. Quite silly. That is honestly, I mean, if you saw what I looked like right now, I was like, oh my God, it's time to record. Quick, I gotta go brush my teeth so I can at least sound like a normal person, even though I don't look like a normal person. <laughs> it was funny when you texted me and you were like, I need to brush my teeth. I'm like, mm, yes, please. Because I can smell you from here. I was going to say, you can, not only can you see us while we record this audio podcast, you can also smell us. Smell so vision. I'm make sure my teeth are, are minty fresh, which they are now. So you're welcome. <laughs> we oh, do these no. things for you. I know, we, we're a little nutty, but if you're uh, joining us for the first time ever and you decided to start at chapter 13... <laughs> rewatch of season one you are probably just as special as we are and that sounds like something I would do to be quite honest yep and me too so there's absolutely (laughs) no judgment when I say that you are more similar to us than you actually realize yeah and you should probably stick around because yes exactly it's gonna work out fun times together (laughs) (laughs) but yes we are looking at chapter 13 The Sweet Hereafter, it is the season finale of season one, which over the the last few months, we have been doing a rewatch of season one whilst we wait for season three to air, which it airs next week. And I'm so conflicted. I'm so excited, but I'm not ready for it. (laughs) And then it's also a TV show and I've like got to just get my life in order. You know, it's, it's mixed emotions, but I, I am in essence really excited. I think what I might do, even though we, we won't podcast on it because we already have, um, I think I need to do a rewatch of the season finale of season two because I think if I go into season three with the season one mindset, I'm going to be really like thrown and confused. That's a very good point. I should do that too. I think that's yeah. I think that's a good idea. I know if we could have gotten through season one and two doing a rewatch, that probably would have set us up in the best way to go into season three. But instead, yeah, we're stuck in a season one mindset right now. And it, it does feel like it It felt like when season two ended, I was like, oh, we're going to have to wait for so long. But this summer went by so fast. It really did. And I think by rewatching an episode of season one each week and talking about it, it's kept Riverdale fresh for mm-hmm. us. Um, and like I said, my husband's sort of been watching along as well. And granted he has finished season one. I think he's about halfway through season two. I'm not sure he'll get done in time for season three, but yeah, it's all, it's helped the time pass really quick, which has been wonderful. Yeah. And that's so, that's so funny that he's watching it now. I love that. 
Well, I think he just got used to the fact that every time we walked past a hot topic, I would just quickly pop my head in to see if they had any new Riverdale stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that I'd be like, all right, I have to podcast tomorrow. You have to be quiet because I have to watch Riverdale. And then he would just sit in the room with me and watch it. Like, I think he started to just become like brainwashed, I suppose. By (laughs) osmosis. He like, he can't avoid it. He has to become a fan. I didn't really give him the choice. He was, he was, he knew what he was getting into when he married me earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a normal thing that happens to people when they, like, when you date someone else, if like, or when you like someone or hang out with someone a lot, like I hung out with a friend who really liked basketball and he would watch basketball when we were together. And a lot of times I would just like be on my phone or hang out with him while he's watching basketball. But eventually I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get this. And that you're excited about this makes me excited about this. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's very much how um, how my husband uh, has started to feel about things. Um, but this episode... Chapter 13, The Sweet Hereafter. I did IMDb it to mm-hmm. just see if it was based on a movie, and it was. I think the movie came out in 59, 1959, mm-hmm. and it's about a bus crash in a small town that brings a lawyer to the town to defend the families, but he discovers that everything is not what it seems. Interesting. So is it about Riverdale being not what it seems and all that? Right, exactly. Now, Hmm. apologies if you can hear my dog barking in the background. (laughs) Apparently there's something outside that he doesn't like. Oh, no. Can you hear him? I think so, but it's very, very light. Yeah, he's a little Yorkie, so bless him. He thinks he's totally badass, but he's not. That's always how it is with small dogs, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'm um I'm sure whatever he's barking at will soon disappear and there won't be any Oh there we are. Crisis averted. He's decided he's done. Great, wonderful, good Rich. for him. <laughs> Where do you want to start with this episode? Oh Did you have a particular note that really popped out to you? Uh, there were interesting editing things in this episode. I really like in the first scene uh, where, where we kind of switch. It's the kind of, um, not, not even just a summary. They're also giving information that maybe we didn't know or what happened after with the Jason's murder and the Blossoms and all that stuff. And it starts with Jughead and then goes into Alice and they're both reporting and you like see that. Um, I really loved how that was done. And then... But something I didn't like was later on when they're they're in the cafeteria and it's our the main the core four and then Kevin and they're all sitting at the table and the camera's just circling around them and I was and once I started paying it I had not noticed it before in either of the two rewatches I've done but in this one I noticed it and then when the, once I noticed it I was like this made me a little sick <laughs> like if you pay attention to it you're like oh I'm like dizzy I don't like this. I just thought that was quite funny. Those those types of shots are always difficult. Um, I have this great video of when I was producing a, a film in New York last summer mm-hmm. or last winter. I don't know. One of the two. It was a time of the year and it was last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were shooting on Steadicam, which is how a lot of those Mm-hmm. 360 shots are done you know the camera is attached to the cameraman or the director of photography and then 
he physically moves but what you don't see is all the other people that follow him yeah this one video that I have is of our DP our director of photography filming the assistant cameraman running behind him trying to keep focus (laughs) then director running behind him to make sure he was happy with the shot then me as the producer running behind him (laughs) because I was holding the playback because this was a part of a music video so Mm. I'm running behind the four of these guys making sure that my actors can hear the music and it was just so ridiculous the four of us just running around and around and around and we had one of our crew film it to show how ridiculous it is to get one of those 360 shots and they look great they do but yeah it does have that effect of making the audience in some regard dizzy yeah and that's really useful like in this particular uh music video that I shot the character itself was very confused. He wasn't sure what was going on with his surroundings. So it helped our audience get drawn into that action by doing kind of this shot that's going to make them feel dizzy because that's what the character is feeling dizzy. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I know this particular shot you're talking about in this episode of Riverdale, I get how that would make you dizzy and I'm not sure it's warranted. Yes, that's going on and all the thoughts are swirling but I think it was more of an aesthetic they were going for versus a trying to recreate the character's feelings yeah it wasn't very thematic yeah I agree like if it was if they did the same shot maybe when um, when they realized what was happening with Cheryl or like or or like with Cheryl to Cheryl that that happens to her at some point that would be maybe more warranted I liked it nonetheless but it was once I noticed it I could not notice it It was just one of those kinds of things. Right. I mean, it kind of, I have to admit, it like glid by me. Like I didn't really pay that much attention to it. But now in hindsight, you talking about it, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I don't know, maybe that's because I'm used to those kinds of shots, having having done them from a production point of view, that they don't have as much of a visual impact on me Mm -hmm. these days. But who knows? Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't really need to go into the psychology of, of my <laughs> because we're going to be here for hours, trust me. Oh. It certainly uh, is a brain that marches to the beat of its own drummer. <laughs> That's very true. My first note on this episode was actually just on the whole um, unveiling that the maple syrup trade that um the blossoms were in was a cover for drugs being smuggled in and out of the country Mm -hmm. my question was drugs from montreal Mm -hmm. like is there actually like a big drug scene in canada in montreal (laughs) like i when i think drugs i don't necessarily think montreal yeah i get that it's close by so it's like a convenience thing but like if we're saying that is the Riverdale that's based in New York, you know, upstate New York. Oh, is that where they are? Well, that's what I've always just assumed because there is a Riverdale in New York. That would make sense because that would make sense why Veronica and uh, Hermione come from New York City. Right. They go upstate, that's not too far. I think... interesting. I just never knew and was like, they shoot in Canada. (laughs) 
like, exactly. They shit in Canada. So maybe, who knows, maybe they chose Montreal as the, the place that drugs were being smuggled in because maybe they shoot in Montreal. I'm not actually sure of their location. I think it's That's Vancouver, but I'm not sure. Vancouver or um, uh, Toronto and things like that. They've got some big studios out there. But um, I don't know why they chose Montreal. No, I don't either. Uh, and I think maybe part of it, too, is because... I think you're totally right that they're in upstate New York. I have no idea where they are. I've 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 thought about it, but never enough to like try and look it up. Well, um, but I, I also mean, think it's to tie into because this first season gives so many. Although there's a lot of inconsistencies, which I want to talk about in this um, episode as well. Too. Uh, me too. I made notes on them. But there's also a lot of good sprinkling of like things we are to see in the future, especially with. I feel like they had a lot of planning more so than some other storylines, but mm-hmm. definitely with Hiram and with that storyline, because we've already talked about previously, I can't remember which episode it was, um, but where they talk about Papa Poutine. Um, and I think that's where this ties in as well. Um, because right. it, the whole planting of the seeds of yeah. Canada, Montreal, there's going to be characters coming from there. And it'd be easy to assume that Papa Poutine is someone who would deal in in drugs and, and things like that in up in Canada. So it's not, yeah. I, I, I guess it's not totally impossible. Degrassi showed me that those Canadians, they're just like us, you know? <laughs> oh, Degrassi. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now, are you talking about classic Degrassi or are you talking about this new generation nonsense? Um, none of this new generation nonsense. Um, I watched with, um, you know, when Drake was in a wheelchair wow yeah that's about the uh that's about the time I got on board with it as well of course I think I was I was too young when I first started watching it to really understand what it was that they were talking about like because you know there's a lot of adult themes that kind of go over your head when you're a kid watching that show but you want to hear something funny you're gonna love this (laughs) Australia had our own version of Degrassi Oh my god. You know what? It was actually really good. It was called Heartbreak High. <laughs> oh. Which is so like classic late 80s, early 90s. And a lot of the actors that were on the show have gone on to have quite successful careers in Australia. Uh one of the guys, um I can't remember the actor's name. I think he played like Derek, if there's any other Australians listening to this show, he was like the bad boy. He had a, like an eyebrow pier- piercing and you know he was like up to no good. Mm-hmm. But he actually is now based out of the US and he does a lot of films. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't know him if you passed him on the street, but he's kind of one of those actors that is in everything. Yeah. But can still Blend. get away. It's that person who you see on the street and you're like, I feel like I've seen this person before, but you can't place where yes very much the actor that just works a lot but on heartbreak high like (laughs) anytime my mom caught me watching it she'd be like no 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 no," because like I was fairly young when I watched it you know I'm talking maybe like you know 12 maybe 13 that was Um, about how old I was when I watched Degrassi too right and it had really adult themes in it you know, I remember one of the girls got pregnant and, you know, they're meant to be like 16 years old. And my mom was like, no, you don't need to watch this. You know, these, these are not 
standards to live your life by. And I'm like, mom, it's a show and everybody watches it. And it's really cool. Well, I remember the episode of Degrassi that I probably should not have watched that I did watch was that episode where I think her name was Emma, the blonde girl, um, Mm -hmm. the tall one. She got gonorrhea of the throat. (laughs) Oh my God. I remember that. Actual God. Yeah, she she got gonorrhea. Dude, that would never have flown for Australian TV. Like that episode. I remember we had an episode of Neighbours, which is, you know, our soap opera over there. We've got Home and Away and we've got Neighbours. There are two soap operas that have are on every night at seven o'clock. Um which I've actually been on. I've only been on Neighbours. I haven't been on Home and Away. But there you go. There's my Mm. little claim (laughs) fame. I remember there was an episode where two girls kissed Mm. and people lost their freaking mind. They were like petitioning the the network to pull the episode or cut the scene out. And then I remember they ended up airing it. It was like a little peck. (laughs) And it was because one girl was, you know, coming to terms with her sexuality. The other mm-hmm. girl um, questioned her sexuality, but then decided that she was heterosexual. But people lost their minds and over they it. They always do, yeah. Well, I mean, when I watched Degrassi, it wasn't on, I didn't watch it as it was airing. There were reruns on this channel. It was like a cable network or like one of the special channels that you have to like HBO or whatever because um, we had those when I was a kid, um, called The N, which was, like, a more grown-up Nickelodeon, I believe. Um, I- and, <laughs> um, sorry. And um, so it wasn't on, like, the main TV channel. And they also, I know in America they cut the episode where one of the girls gets an abortion. Um, so that was an episode I never saw, but I know happened. Um, wow. So it wasn't like on our regular TV. I don't think Degrassi, I don't know if it ever aired on regular American television, but it was on like a separate side channel that not everyone would probably have. Right. But like, I feel like even still, um, gonorrhea of the throat. <laughs> yep. Cause she had- <laughs> would not have flown in Australia. Like if people lost their minds about two girls kissing on a soap opera, where they barely kiss. Yeah. They barely touch each other. Um, there is no way in heck that gonorrhea of the throat would have flown. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I just keep visualizing that. It makes me feel so sick, but then it's so like, somebody thought of that. Somebody thought, Hey, what if she just gets gonorrhea of the throat and like, let's write an episode about that. Well, it was something about like how she she was um because she, you know she was she, she was doing that stuff with boys, <laughs> um, but I can't. There was like a reason why she was doing it. I can't remember what it was. Like she, I feel like she was just being very promiscuous, but it wasn't like something she wanted to do. I can't remember exactly what the context of this episode was. I mean, we are so, digressing so far right now. <laughs> As well, we've we've fallen down a really dark hole. Maybe um, we need a Degrassi podcast. <laughs> just know that when I upload this episode to iTunes, I will mark the adult themes button because every time you upload it, it's like, is this episode one hundred percent profanity free? 
does it have adult content? Like, and normally I don't tick those because if we haven't cussed and we haven't talked about, you know, sexual themes, we're fine to go. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'm I'm gonna have to tick that it's got a, adult themes. Mm-hmm. My goodness, might as well warn them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Um, then again, it's not every day you talk about gonorrhea of the throat. What is this podcast? <laughs> Hi, welcome to our brains. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, let's just <laughs> let's just reel it back in and mm-hmm. go on. Um, I'll I'll jump in with my next note about this episode. Uh, I said that I thought it was really interesting that we see Mayor McCoy sort of up in arms and mm. um, wanting to clean up Riverdale and and get it back to this you know shiny reputation mm-hmm. when she herself is manipulative she's having an affair which we discover in season two Mm -hmm. and she takes a bribe from Hermione like Mm -hmm. she is the problem with Riverdale really in essence like she's so hell-bent on getting the serpents to pay for what they've done to the town and clean up all this scum when really she should take a long hard look in the mirror yeah and I mean I think that's um that's kind of Betty's whole, not that Betty knows that stuff about Mary McCoy and it's not necessarily her thoughts about Mary McCoy in particular, but I feel like that's Betty's whole uh, argument in this episode that everyone's being very hypocritical about how they see themselves and then how they see others and how they treat others in this town. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it's just totally hypocritical and ridiculous. That's why it's so funny (laughs) <laughs> the scene with Mary McCoy when they're in the principal's office and Mary McCoy asks two children um, to yes. to be special spotlights in their little jubilee thing, whatever. So, so weird. Um, I guess that happens in small towns or something. I don't know. Um, I didn't grow up in one of those, but um, Betty's face and it's just Lily just being a great little actress as always. Um, she just she just does this thing where she's just like you just see on her face she's just like are you fucking serious <laughs> like yeah, she can't yeah. believe it and it she she is just so great like you see every single thought that's going through her head all the time right she she never has to say it because she is she's very good at the the face acting mm-hmm. as we've called it in other episodes uh but yeah she's basically like you're fucking kidding. Mm-hmm. Like, really? You're going to try and take credit for it now? Yeah. But she doesn't say it. She just shows it. Yeah, totally. And I love that. I love, like, and that's one of the biggest things, uh, having a choice between, town, like, in a show or in any sort of entertainment and story. It's, are they going to tell us what, what they're thinking or are you going to show us what you're thinking? And it's so much harder to do the latter. Exactly, but um, Lily does a, does such a great job of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My next note was something from a filmmaking point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to just the general audience's eye, you would have missed it. But, again, because I have worked a lot and have recently been working on the other side of um, the film in the sense of, of production – I noticed it. Uh, so smoke machines, 
Borges machines are used a lot to help create um, more of a depth in, in a scene. So it gives this like hazy look and it gives a bit more texture to to digital media. Mm-hmm. The scene where Fred and Archie are in the kitchen and Archie walks in and Fred's like, oh, I can't believe this is what's been happening and this is what our town's come to. Mm-hmm. He's very strongly back, backlit because he's obviously looking out the window at whatever and then when he turns around, um, I really like that that look that he he's kind of dark but uh he's very strongly backlit backlit from the light coming through the window mm-hmm. but what it what it drew my eye to was like I think down his like right hand side uh he, he's wearing like one of those plaid shirts um you can see the haze or the smoke from the smoke machine kind of mulling around his shirt oh and from a production point of view, it took me completely out of the scene because I was yeah. like, oh, this is fake. They've used a smoke machine to create ambiance. Interesting. I it mean, is, like I said, you wouldn't notice it unless yeah. you have worked in production and they're the things that you look for because working in production has completely broken you and means <laughs> you can't watch a film and enjoy it. You have to break it apart. Um, but yeah, it was interesting that this haze was kind of floating around his shirt. Interesting. Normally, normally it's not such a draw. Like you kind of can see it, but you don't really acknowledge it. But I think because he was so strongly backlit, it just drew my eye to the stuff that was moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was just, just a little something I wanted to throw in because I just thought it was a weird scene to throw haze in like you wouldn't necessarily need it in that yeah they're they're inside like it seems and well that's usually when you use haze you usually use it uh more of like a a dark gritty scene you would haze to just give again a bit of depth break up that you know that black mm-hmm. but it was weird that they used haze in such a strongly lit scene and then just kind of let it mull around like they didn't sort of fan it out to let it expand and fill the room but anyway like I said that was a filmmaking thing that (laughs) 99.9% of people would not even pay any mind to yeah because I did like the lighting in that scene and I do um because we see Fred a few times in this episode and Mm. which I think is important to what happens at the end of this episode um that we are connected to him and um and I liked that that scene at the at the start with him and and Archie, him just really questioning like his choices and all that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, I'm sorry. A, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was going to say, do you have a a note that you'd like to talk about? Because I know I've been sort of picking a lot of those notes myself. Oh no, you're fine. Um, <laughs> my next thought was just about the. I mean, I'm skipping ahead a bit uh, because I do want to talk about the Cheryl stuff, which is so my favorite, but I kind of want to get the stuff I didn't like as much out of the way. Um, really? Archie's song <laughs> at the Jubilee. <laughs> oh, they're so hopelessly romantic, aren't they? It's like, it just isn't good. <laughs> like, I don't know if I've heard any of Archie's songs and been like, they're good. Like, I know, I'm kind of glad, like, it, I'm a little, I, in season two, we didn't get as much Archie 
with his guitar and Archie singing and stuff like that it happened very rarely. But I, I do feel like not hearing his original music is a good way to go with him. <laughs> You're so mean. It's just not good. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind it, um, but they are all like so the same note. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, they make a joke of that in the show too. Like one of the characters made a joke about that previously. But I also feel like it's, um, and this is my issue with things whenever in different formats, when people do this, um, whenever there's kind of a story and they're like, oh, blah character is so great at blank. They're the best blank in the world and blah, blah, blah. And people do that all the time with Archie. They're like, oh, you're such a good songwriter. Oh, you're such a good songwriter. Not even that he's just such a good singer, that he's such a good musician, that he's specifically a good songwriter. And so then when they show us his songs and actually give us, it's like you have to have the proof. Like it has to be really good. And they're not doing that. (laughs) So it's like then, it's like you can talk about him being really good at this thing, but like then just don't show us. Like you don't have to show us that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. Or show us and blow our freaking socks off, you and know? Do it, and do it very minutely. Like, don't do it too often. Like, just just give us, like, a little little sprinkling of it here and there. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That exactly. Really- make us, like, want to hear it, and then when we hear it, make it mind-blowing. Yeah. Make it make it really, really good. Um, what happened? Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. My fault completely. What I thought was interesting was that um, he shows Josie his song and she's like, I get it. It's about your friends and, you know, all the stuff that you've been through lately. And then when he starts actually singing it, mm-hmm. like, I, I can't remember the exact words, but it was like, my love, my light. Mm-hmm want to like be there for you or something along those lines I'm like this is not a song about your friends this is a song about like a girl yeah it's very weird it yeah it didn't line up no it doesn't and at all apologies again if you can hear my my dog I, a shadow must have have moved because <laughs> he's freaking out in the other room so apologies again if he keeps barking I'm gonna go out and Tell him to be quiet because it's very distracting. Oh, silly pup. I know. He's, like I said, he's a Yorkie and he thinks he's totally badass. And in reality, should danger actually come, like, he's going to run the other direction. He's not going <laughs> to defend me. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Where were we? We were talking about Archie and him singing at Jubilee and how yes. we were a bit it was a bit anticlimactic. Yes. And also with his broken hand, you can totally, like, he's not playing the guitar. Like, you can what? tell he's not playing the guitar. Now, I have not played the guitar in my life. I think I had one lesson was like, this hurts my fingers and I have to cut my nails. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. <laughs> but bless him. You can't play with three fingers. Yeah, it's... Wait, I mean, it's just you could... T- strumming with or is that the hand that he's doing the chords with it's the hand that he's playing that he's strumming with so he could in theory he totally he he could play with a broken hand um depending on how the break is but like you can just tell by looking at it like he's not like he's he's not good at faking it 
Right. He exactly. knows how to really play guitar. Like I think previously we've actually seen him play or I haven't at least paid enough attention and it's him breaking his hand that drew my attention to it. But it just does not look right. I wish they just, they had this wide shot at one point. So you saw the whole stage and I was like, why did we do this? Like we didn't need to see this wide shot. <laughs> like, no. I almost wrote down this note, but then I thought on it more. And I think I mentioned it in a previous episode that KJ actually broke his hand shooting that scene where he's trying to um, rescue Cheryl from, from drowning. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually wondering if that episode was written that he still performs in the Jubilee but doesn't actually break his hand. No, that wouldn't make sense because it was it was wrapped up. But I agree with you. I think it was an odd choice to go to those wide shots and really emphasize the fact that his hand is in the cast. It would have been nice if he was like oh, Ronnie, I can't play, so this is what I'm going to do. Could you, like, play the guitar for me and I'll sing? And I think that would have been nice too, to be like, oh, let's stand together. Yeah, and and especially with them, like, coming together and being like, no, we want to be together, like, we, like, and all that stuff. And being open about the relationship in this episode, it was very much about that and him realizing that he wanted to be with, with Veronica and that he wasn't still wasn't having second thoughts about Betty and things like that. Exactly. Exactly. But here we are. <laughs> we we always, you know, question these choices with Riverdale, but in essence, when it comes down to it, I don't really care that much because I just love the show. Yeah, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, I want to talk about something I really enjoyed, which was Cheryl. I love Cheryl in this episode. I love it so much. Um I'm I'm a fan of angst. You know me. I love the angst. Um, and I really, I think they do a genuinely good job of showing someone who is suicidal in this episode because it's not necessarily the person that's sad and especially they say a lot of the time that, um, especially like in the week before or the few days before someone's planning to, to take their own life, that they um, do things like this, that they give away um personal possessions they make proclamations of love and things like that um so I thought all of those little things that she does throughout the episode are are very very good and she does ask for help from her mother but her mother is such an awful witch oh my god isn't she the worst And, and I think this is the episode where we see that real switch in Penelope as well yeah uh I made a note on it on it somewhere like she has she's not ever really been that mother motherly mother but she you know has has had her moments where she appears to be sweet to Cheryl but this is that real clear switch where Cheryl goes to her and she's like mommy I can't go to school like I'm so depressed kind of Mm -hmm. thing and her mother her mother is like I just don't care yeah yeah and it's such a like it's such a genuine scene who, what kid hasn't come up to their parent and been like, like mom, dad, like, I'm so like, I can't go to school. I feel too bad or whatever. Like that feels very familiar. So to have, um, to, to go up to someone and be so vulnerable and then to have them totally turn you down. There's no wonder why Cheryl, um, makes the decision that she makes in this episode. Right. Exactly. She's just, 
she's just lost everything. Mm-hmm. She she has no choice but to, you know, end her life. Well, I mean, that's what she thinks, mm-hmm. and then thank God her friends save her and pull her out of that. But yeah, it's it's just awful. Yeah, it's really. And I was going to, uh, when we were talking about Penelope, I was thinking, like, I had the thought in my head, well, Penelope's lost everything, and that's why she doesn't care anymore. But Penelope hasn't lost everything. She still has her daughter. It is Cheryl who actually loses everything, because it's Cheryl who is turned away from her mother and who uh, is shown that she doesn't really care about her like she thought she should or like a mother should do. Um, Yeah. It really is Cheryl who has lost everything now in this episode. And then... I just love, I love her whole thing. I, one of my favorite scenes um, in the first season of Riverdale is the scene with all of the snow on the river where she falls. It's just so like iconic and then like running out and all that stuff. It's so like beautiful and like intense. And, um, and why is Archie only wearing a small sweater? Um, <laughs> I don't it's Riverdale. I, I just I love it so much. about how they they don't dress them appropriately for the Ever. weather, but they do very fashionably. Oh, it's so stupid! And he doesn't even look. It's not even like a. It's like he's wearing just like a zip-up hoodie. What? 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 Um. Anyway. Um. And there was so much snow. I feel so bad for them. Um. But and then later on, when she makes the decision to like, she's like, we are gonna rise like phoenixes from this. Um, from the ashes of our home right now and she just sets their whole house on fire it's incredible but I did think to myself why are you standing in the middle of the fire like how did she get out of that house right and not just that there's a really interesting part where like okay so season two we open with Penelope in the hospital and she's all bandaged up and everything like Mm -hmm. that when and this is one of those continuity things that I talked about earlier um that I said oh you know I want to um want to come back to and I think you said the same Mm -hmm. thing where they were outside unharmed what point did Penelope get burnt did she suddenly run back in there and if she did why didn't we see that I think that is what context i think that is what happened i i haven't rewatched season two but if i remember correctly it is because she tried to run back in to save like family things um but she didn't succeed um and to try and save like the house and whatnot so if i remember correctly that is what happened because yeah when um that happens both of them are completely unscathed even though it would take cheryl walking through fire literally to get out of that house, but she's untouched. She's amazing. I know, and she still looks perfect. And her face scared. is just like a little dirty, but her clothes aren't like she. Her face is like sooty, but not her lipstick, which is perfect. And her white dress is still unsooted. It's lovely. Like I like it, but you know, she has a little schmutz on her face, so yeah. that obviously justifies that she was inside. Yes. She she was in the fire, but like just a little bit. <laughs> She can she, she can walk through flames, but she's like Daenerys Targaryen, barely touches her. Oh my god, I love it! And the next next season, we're gonna have dragons. I bet you. <gasps> I love oh that idea. God. I really love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Riverdale. Goodness me, um, I had an interesting 
observation this episode that we actually talked about with another character last episode. <laughs> so obviously um, episode, uh, beg your pardon, chapter 12, we talked about how weird it was that Betty went to sleep with her hair mm-hmm. up, which was like the strangest thing on the face of the earth. And then we discussed like, you know, how she'll wear her hair down when she's coming undone and her hair's up when she's like in control. I noticed the opposite happens with Alice. I noticed that too. I noticed that too. That's so funny. I'm glad you brought it up. Yes, I totally think that, I mean, Alice and Betty are totally the opposite of one another in so many ways. Anyway, they're quite similar, but so I, I love that contrast of that we're seeing that it's only the Coopers who hair really tells you anything because how it happens to you later too. Oh my gosh. But we, I don't think we really see that with Polly so much. We did a little bit. I think we're going to see it more in this new season, but when she comes back with the twins and she is talking to Alice after the whole come down of the, the black hood situation, she doesn't have a hair. She doesn't have her like a, you know, quintessential hair band in. Her hair's loose and, like, flowing. Got it. Okay, I hadn't noticed that. But, yeah, I thought it was interesting that when Alice is coming apart, her hair goes Mm -hmm. up, but when she's totally in control, her hair is down. It's really – it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The Coopers, their hair just tells a whole story. Doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Doesn't it? Good. They're both very good face actors because – God forbid if they were bad face actors and we didn't have their hair to tell us what they were doing. We would just have no idea. We would be so (laughs) lost. Oh my goodness. Um, One other thing that I think, I know it resolves itself, but I'm not sure how believable it was, is that obviously Archie has some kind of hesitation then where you know, Betty's like, no, I'm okay with you and Veronica, you know, I'm with Jughead now and everything's great. It's interesting that um, he seems to have that like hesitation when Veronica's like, oh, they're, they're soulmates, aren't they? That's so nice for them. And Archie goes to say something mm-hmm. and Cheryl's text to Veronica kind of interrupts them. Yeah. I had this, this kind of, uh, section of the plot uh I had a note about too so I'm glad we're talking about it yeah it was kind of just strange I mean obviously I remember when I was watching the season for the first time I was really excited about the fact that uh now that Betty was with Jughead Archie would try and like swoop in and steal her like you know with the comics they she you know they break up they get together they break up they get together he goes with Veronica he goes with Betty you know I was excited to sort of see that and that's what I thought this was hinting at and then they sort of try to resolve it where Veronica's like hey I saw the way that you were looking at Betty like are you sure you want to be with me and he's he was like yeah I do I'm just so happy for her and you know things have changed and I it was weird I'm not sure why they put it in there. I don't know what that hesitation was about. Yeah, when I, so I kind of have the opposite feelings about it. Like, when I first watched the show, I I didn't like this whole thing with Archie being, like, questioning and, like, the longing looks and things like that. I was like, uh, but no, you've shown us so far that, like, we like Jughead and Benny together. Why are we doing this? And especially with it being the last episode. Where, like, there's not going to be any 
real um, closure to this or like that we can't really expand on this anymore. We have to wait till the next season if anything is to come from from these two, um, which I don't necessarily think is a great choice. Um, but um, so at first I kind of was like, I don't really know why we're doing this. And then it felt like because the longing looks and things with Betty and Jughead um, seemed genuine, then it seemed disingenuine when Archie's talking to Veronica and, he's, and he tells her, that's what I want to be for you and stuff. Um, so I didn't really enjoy that very much the first few times I watched it. This time when I watched it, I was like, oh, I think I get it now. I think it's because, I mean, it's kind of that, like, you don't know what you have until it's gone kind of situation. And even if you don't want it, um, whatever it might be, when things change and you kind of realize that, um, there's still that contemplation that you go through about like, oh, is this the thing that I want for myself? Or is it a, like that I actually truly want? Or is this something that I just thought would happen or like thought I would have, but uh, I now realize I'm, I probably might not. And I have to come to terms with that. Like, I don't necessarily think Archie is looking at Betty because he does like her. He's proven to us so far that he doesn't have those sort of feelings for her yet. Um, and I think this is more of him kind of like figuring that out for himself and contemplating that. Like, what are these feelings that I'm having? Is it just a, because he has an expectation of what they were supposed to be or what they could have been and things like that? Yeah. And kind of realizing that that's not what's what's happening and his life is going in a different way. I think it's more of that. And him and him using that to really come to terms with what he wants to be with Veronica. And it made more sense for me this time than it had before. So it's interesting that we had different um, thoughts about that. Yeah, because, I mean, also for me, that scene where um, Archie goes, uh, I think Betty's at the blue and gold, and he goes in and he goes, look, I just want to double check. You said you were okay last time and you weren't. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. For me, that scene, I made a note that I felt like they were saying goodbye to their friendship. And I commented a couple of times when we've been watching season two that I feel like that closeness between the two of them has gone. Yeah, I agree. I think that's totally accurate. It is kind of a goodbye to their friendship. And that seems, and I wonder if that's the catalyst for Archie in this episode, him going to her and being like, are you sure you're okay? Because he's anticipating her not. He's anticipating her not being okay. He wouldn't check in with her again if he thought that she was fine, like if he truly thought she was fine. And so then once she shoots him down and is like, no, I'm like totally fine. I'm so happy for you. And she's over it. It's that thing of like, as soon as someone like you want something when it doesn't want you, like that's just such a natural, like flawed human thing that people do. And I think that's exactly what happens to Archie in this. He, he, once he's not being chased anymore and once that prospect's kind of gone, he then is like, wait, wait, but I wanted you to want me all the time. And I thought that was going to be a thing that you always wanted. And then wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, uh, I, I, I can sympathize with that. I feel like I've been in that situation before. Uh, I can't think when, but I'm sure like, you know, when I was in high school and everything was very dramatic and upsetting and all of that, it was, it, I feel like, yeah, where you're like, I'm really happy that you're with somebody, but it doesn't change how I feel. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's it's one of those, again, one of those bullshit psychology things. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was interesting because I, in hindsight, you know, I, I've been saying all of the episodes in season two, oh, I wish they'd get back to this, like, this, like, closeness and this, this uh, bond between the two of them, which we don't really see mm-hmm. in season two. And perhaps in hindsight, looking back at this episode, this is the episode where they sort of acknowledge that things are different. Yeah. And they're not going to be that way again, probably. Exactly. There is no longer that innocence that is associated with their friendship. Yeah. It's It's become more adult and more grown up and some crazy life things have happened that's made them kind of go opposite directions yeah. and the actual dynamic of their friendship change. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. It kind of helped me make sense of what we're about to see in season mm-hmm. two. Totally. Um, but it was kind of sad because I'm like, Oh, you guys have such a closeness. Yeah. Um, but again, looking forward and looking to what we see in season three, it looks like we're going to get back to that more of that classic friendship. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. And I love some of my favorite parts of this episode are just that we get a lot of the core four that we get a lot of Veronica and Archie and Betty and Jughead, like all being together. And that just like quick little scene when they're in the, uh, when they're in pops in the booth and Jughead is narrating over it, like, thinking they're safe in the booth and whatnot and I, I love those moments they're, they're some of my favorites I do too I really like it and I think that just really speaks on the casting of this show in general the four of them have a very very unique uh bond mm-hmm. and I think that that is really evident in these episodes we really do see their closeness and it's just wonderful um on the part where they were uh in the booth did you see the heroes reference or did you hear the heroes oh you bet i did save the cheerleader save the world right except this was save the cheerleader and saved the town Mm -hmm. and i was like you better know that i'm not missing that i used to love heroes i loved heroes i loved heroes uh i mean the first season was phenomenal and then you know as it went on it did get a little odd but it was it was a nice little I wonder I wonder and I'd have to do some research to see if either the writer or the execs for the show or whatever, if any of them worked on heroes, that'd be really interesting to see yeah. if that was like a little inside joke for them or a little inside trivia. Or just the regular pop culture trivia that they always like to Right, exactly. But then again, if you think about like when Heroes came out versus when Riverdale's come out there's a good you know five six seven year even maybe longer than that no. maybe like 10 year yeah totally it, it's a very like if uh, if like veronica and um and all of them were actually teenager age they wouldn't probably maybe even know what heroes is exactly nor would the general expected audience of riverdale yeah, yeah. You know, it's going to attract that younger crowd. We've we've said time and time again that we're probably the older spectrum of Riverdale watchers. Yeah. So no one's really going to get that reference. So, yeah, I'd have to do some research and see if there were any kind of creative 
people that were also involved in Heroes and thought, oh, this might be a nice little thing. Or if the writer was a fan of Heroes and thought, hey, you know what? He did save the cheerleader and he saved the town. Yeah. Great. I'm going to throw that in there. But I really liked it. I thought that was really cool. I was like, yay, Heroes. I missed that show. No, I liked that too. Um, And I thought it was interesting just talking about like pop culture, like uh, references earlier uh, in the episode, Betty and of course, Veronica is painting Betty's toenails because that's what girls always do. Um, I've literally <laughs> never painted anyone else's nails. <laughs> I would never touch anyone's feet. I have such a phobia yeah. of feet. They're so disgusting. They're so manky. Every time I go to like the salon and have like my toes painted or whatever, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. You have to touch. I, I feel the same exact way. <laughs> um, but um, she, Veronica's like, had risk of not passing the Bechdel test. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> We don't have to be so what? meta, huh? Like I don't actually know what that um, is. So the Bechdel test, um, you know Fun Home? The musical? Yes, the musical. I promise this ties in. I know of it. I don't know the story. So um, it's a tr- it's based on a true story. It's based on, I want to look up her first name because I, I don't know if it's, I think it's Alison Bechdel. I'm looking okay. it up right now because I just don't want to murder it. Um. Yes, it's Allison. I was right. Um, so it's based on the true story um, and true life of Allison Bechtel, who's a comic book artist. She wrote Fun Home and uh, did illustrated it um, as a comic book first, and then they turned it into a musical. She did a comic um, where she talked about her test. To, uh, I don't even necessarily, I don't want to like, I'm totally paraphrasing and um, don't want to like totally ruin this, but um I don't know if she said necessarily that it's feminist, but just for movies that like where they have decent representation of women, like it's kind of supposed to be the like most minimal qualification of a movie that has decent representation of women. And that's and okay. what that is, is the Bechdel test. And she, in the comic, she's talking about uh, what she uses to go see movies. Like if a movie doesn't have a scene between two women whose first and last names that you know, where they are talking about something that's not relationships, um, then she doesn't see the movie. So oh. that's the so it's basically looking at something and going, um, and it became a thing. It became like a feminist, like a kind of thing to that got picked up in the movement, and um, and it should be. And people kind of talk about it where um, it's like heightened than I think more heightened than it is because I think this is really a base level like we should at least in every movie have one scene where two women whose first and last names we know speak to each other and and about something that's not a relationship um between other people other each other I don't think counts because I think that's different um but yeah so that's the Bechdel test (laughs) wow Oh my God, I've never even heard that. And I'm a woman in film. I feel kind of ashamed of, ashamed of myself. It's okay, don't, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, but so she's, so it, it's funny what she says, but I'm like, it's quite meta to, to like, you, you are on a TV yeah. show. So like, you have to go that far. Um, but yeah, at risk of, at risk of not passing the Bechdel test and they don't pass it. And that's saying they do not. Exactly. Because they're talking about boys. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how often they do pass the Bechdel test, those two girls together. They do occasionally. I feel like Cheryl is, any scene between the girls and Cheryl is much better. 
as more likely to pass the Bechdel test than they would between each other. Yes, I agree because Cheryl's more, well, she's more impassioned. She's not really talking about boys uh, as we, you know, we come to find or out. Or even you know, relationships in general. She's not usually talking about, like she didn't really talk about Tony to too many people. Like that wasn't like a, too much of a discussion too often. No, it's more of a, a takedown of, um, more of a takedown of like mm-hmm. other people or like her mother or something like that. So yeah, no, good for Cheryl. Good feminist writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The final note that I have, um, apart from, you know, the very clever cover girl product. Oh my God. Give any more airtime. Thank God we only see that in season yeah. one. Um, is the black hood at the oh, end? Yes. Obviously, this is the first time we see him. That is very clearly not Lachlan Munro who plays. Yes. That is so clearly not him, which makes me think. Again, there's there's two things. So you might recall uh, in one of our other episodes, I was talking about um, that that sort of baiting that you use. I used to work with a murder mystery theater company, and the person that shoots, you actually never have the actual criminal yeah. or the actual person who committed the murder do the shoot. Yeah. You have somebody else, so then it throws the audience off, and they don't know who the murderer is. Yes. But um, with this it led me to think that's not necessarily the case I wonder if it was an afterthought Mm -hmm. of having Hal be the murderer and to back that theory up if you look at Hal's reaction in Betty's speech at the Jubilee Mm -hmm. the the speech that was apparently the thing that inspired him Mm -hmm. Hal has this moment where they cut to him, he just kind of looks down. And it's it's not a realisation moment. It's not an inspired moment. It's just like, gosh, we live in a shitty town yeah. kind of moment. Yeah, it's a totally like, nothing moment. Like, Right, there's nothing behind it. And that makes me think that it was an afterthought to make him the Black Hood. Yeah, I don't even know if they if they knew what they were going to – be doing with this person at the end of um of this episode like I don't even know if they knew he was going to become like quote unquote the black hood and be this figure and things like that um I I highly doubt that's even the case I think maybe before they I think before they started season two they realized that that was what like they decided that was what they were gonna do and they picked Tal and they made those choices but Right. From everything from this episode, it does not hold up to what we know of the Black Hood to be true in season two. And especially yeah. with um, just the way that, that this Black Hood, or, or I just don't, I don't even want to call him the Black Hood because he doesn't feel like the Black Hood yet. Because um, no. he just seems like a thief. He comes in and he's threatening Pops and he wants money. He doesn't even sound like Hal at all and he's yelling. And then he's just like kind of wildly around. It doesn't make sense that this is Hal's first attack unless he had such a mental breakdown at the Jubilee that he totally whacks out and just kind of goes crazy because this isn't even like a planned attack on, um, on Fred Andrews. He wouldn't have known that Fred Andrews was there unless maybe he followed him out of his house, but then why would he go to pop 
and threaten to kill him for his money and like want his money. It it doesn't make any sense at all. Exactly, it doesn't. And as you're talking, okay, here you go. I have just looked on IMDb at this episode, and the actor that they have as the Black Hood, or who will know becomes the Black Hood, is actually an actor named named Jay Clift. So there you are, one hundred percent. It was not even the actor. Yeah. It wasn't even Lachlan Munro who plays Hal. Now, granted, they may have done this because people like myself would go onto IMDb and go, wait, hang on, why is Lachlan Munro um, credited as the gunman? Yeah. No. So I get it from both angles. Yeah. I get it from a sensible point of view and I get it from a like a conspiracy point of view. But I really do think that this guy was just going to be a random shooter. And then they've decided maybe Lachlan wanted to leave the series mm. and that came to light after they shot this episode and they're like, hey, he wants to leave. Let's go ahead and make him the killer. Yeah, Or, or they just wanted to go in this dark angle and, and chose this to be the, I don't know. It's very interesting. It's It's very interesting, but it just doesn't, with, like I was saying earlier, and you said as well, like with as good as they have been with some sprinkling in of continuity and things like that in the season to the next season, this is like such a big plot hole that doesn't work. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But I did very much enjoy that ride. What that was the black. Yes. Ride. Yeah. No. And, uh, and I enjoyed that storyline for sure. So I'm not mad that they did it, but it's just interesting. And so it's just interesting to see how things work out. And when a show, when you have a TV show, um, some TV shows have a plan, right? Like some TV shows like Breaking Bad or um, mm -hmm. even the first five seasons of Supernatural and like things like that. Um, Jane the Virgin is so good with this and they de and they definitely have a plan for their show. And I know Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, they've always only planned to have four seasons. And I think after this next season, they're done. Um, some shows do that, right? Like they have a plan for their show. This is how the show is going to lay out. There might be some changes in between here and there, but... They, we're going to go from A to B to C to D, and that's going to be it. And we're going to get there, and that's the plan. Um, but then other shows don't have that. Other shows are just like, we have this idea for a show. This sounds like fun. Let's do it. And then week to week, or even, I mean, at most season to season, but it can be at minimum week to week. They are changing things and moving things around at every at all the time. So it's interesting to see that kind of like this I feel like Riverdale kind of has a medium I don't think that they have a full plan for like a five season arc or something like that they might in the long run like just know where they kind of want to end up but um mm -hmm. I don't really think that <laughs> and it definitely seems like they're kind of a more like loose like season yeah. to season if not like part a season part b season like and things like that um but it's interesting they're kind of in the middle to me I also think that being that this was season one, they were gauging how popular they would sure. be and maybe underestimated how successful the show was going to be. So, you know, changed things up mm -hmm. then. Yeah. But I mean, until we get that role on that TV show, we're not going <laughs> to know the work of it. No. I'm determined. Veronica needs an older sister from Australia. <laughs> I like that idea. That sounds like fun. Right, it would be some scandal that Hermione, I don't know, got pregnant to some Aussie when 
I don't know, when Hiram and her were on a break and she had this illegitimate child. Oh, no, wait, we've already done that story with Alice. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'll make something better. <laughs> Maybe you're the cousin or something. Yeah. Oh, God, I'd have to lose so much weight. <laughs> Uh, well do we want to rank the season and give our rankings yeah let's this was really hard yeah yeah it was weird and like i don't even know it's not definitive by any turns like these would probably change on the daily oh absolutely absolutely do you want to start do you want to start at our least favorite and then go up or do you want to start at favorite and go down um let's quit favorite because my least favorite is not really like a least favorite it was just the one like I tried to rank it on how excited I was watching the episode for the first time like how much action or how much it hooked Mm -hmm. me um and the episode that I ranked at the bottom um it wasn't that it didn't hook me it was just it was an episode that was very early on and was just kind of setting everything up yeah no mine's exactly the same that's so funny so What's your uh, what's your most popular? I mean, your like most favorite. Mine would be thirteen, the one we just uh, talked about. Mine would be twelve. Oh, yes, there you I had go. a feeling this would be on the top for us. Yeah, mine was definitely thirteen. Twelve is on is in the top three. Um, but I love this episode. There's just so many iconic things of this episode, and I just like I've talked about before. I love Snowy Riverdale, and <laughs> you just get so much of that in this episode. And there's so many lovely little moments. I love. Um, when Jughead and Betty are like walking through the snow, I love the scene where um someone like uh defaces Betty's locker and then they all come to her and like help her and um and I love the juxtaposition between Veronica and Archie's relationship and then you see Betty um and Jughead's relationship and then Jughead getting the jacket and like all that stuff. I I, I thoroughly enjoy this episode and like I said, I love Cheryl in this episode as well. Yeah, I I completely agree with everything. I do think it was a very hard choice between this episode and 12. For me, I just like 12 because it really presents like it is mm-hmm. the season finale. Like they could have ended on that and I would have been satisfied. So that's why I gave that um, first place. And then second place, I gave yeah. chapter 13. Yeah. What did you have? So you had... Uh, you had 13 is your first my second is episode four so I go yeah I go way back to the beginning um with episode four is the last picture show and I love that episode because of all the Jughead stuff with him living in the drive-in and like and you just kind of we really get to meet Jughead for the first time really and I I thoroughly enjoy that episode in terms of like I, I guess I didn't think about it um, like, I didn't put it into the, that kind of context in my mind about, like, that these are the episodes I would most readily want to go back and rewatch. But that's definitely one of the top three that I would want to go back and rewatch multiple times would be chapter four. Yeah. Very nice. And so then my, like I said, top three, um, 12 is in there. And it's the third episode uh, that I, it's my third ranking is episode 12. So what's your third one? episode oh chapter 11 to Mm. Riverdale and back again I really liked it I really Mm -hmm. liked the reminiscing I really liked the parents Mm -hmm. being involved um the only thing I didn't like about that episode was (laughs) Betty's hair yes yes we you made that abundantly clear in that episode (laughs) 
Yes. That really upset me. Yeah. Um, do you want me to just, I'll just go through my entire list and then why don't you go through your entire list yeah, and yeah, see how we it. differ. Okay. So I start mm-hmm. off with chapter 12, mm-hmm. Anatomy of Murder, Nearly Said Economy. <laughs> there you go. There's me not being able to speak again. In second place, I have chapter 13, The Sweet Hereafter. In third place, I have chapter 11, To Riverdale mm-hmm. and Back Again. In fourth, I have chapter three, Body oh. Double. Uh, yeah. In fifth place, chapter nine, La Grande Illusion. In sixth, chapter 10, The Lost mm-hmm. Weekend. In seventh, Chapter four, The Last Picture Show. In eight, chapter seven, In a Lonely Place. In nine, chapter ten, uh, beg your pardon, chapter two, A Touch of Evil. In 10th place, chapter five, Heart of Darkness. In 11th, chapter seven, In a Lonely Place. In 12, chapter eight, The Outsiders. In what are we up to? Thirteen? No, twelve. Thir- no, yeah, thirteen. No, twelve. I don't know. In second to last 12. place, <laughs> twelve. Right. Chapter six: Faster, Pussycat, Kill, Kill. And then in last place, chapter one: The River's Edge. And I put it there because the pilot for me was very hard to place. It wasn't my least favorite. Mm. It was obviously what hooked me made me want to keep watching the show but it was the setup it was the setup for all of these other episodes so like I said I ranked them on how much the episode hooked me and how much action was in the episodes and so for me the pilot comes last interesting none of ours yeah none of ours correlate (laughs) oh I knew it though because we are so different so So mine goes um episode 13 then episode four. Uh-huh. Then episode 12. Yep. And then episode 11. Then episode 10. Then episode seven. Would you? Ooh, and then wow. episode one. I know. What? I know. That's crazy. Um, and then episode five, Heart of Darkness. Um, episode eight. Episode six. Episode nine episode three and then my last one is episode two because I feel like that has so much setup stuff that I would I just don't care too much about yeah my goodness we are I think we're like <laughs> both Bettys and look at how differently we rank the episodes. well like I said it would change on day to date as well I think for me yeah likewise. yeah you know, if I had watched one when I was feeling sick, then maybe I'd associate that I wasn't feeling well with that episode yeah. and give it a lower ranking. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, isn't that interesting that none of ours correlate at all. We don't have one no, like single the, one in the same place. It, it makes sense that like our top like four or three are, we both have like 13, 11, 12, like in the, in the top um, area. That totally makes sense. But otherwise, yeah, it's pretty, pretty different. Yeah. And I put uh, episode one right in the middle because there's just so many iconic moments in that episode. Um, I don't know. Okay. I had to put it like just in the middle because that's where it felt right. 
Yeah, I really struggled because I was like, I'm either going to have to start with episode mm-hmm. one or finish with it because I'm like, it did help me. It made me want to watch all the other episodes to follow, but it was basically just setting up everything. So it, it wasn't really anything that kind of grabbed me. There wasn't like, you know, big hook moments where I was like, yeah. oh my God, I have to watch this. Like, you know, there were there were a few hooks here and there, but none that sure. stood out any more than that. another. Oh. Yeah. My goodness. I feel like we've come to the end of an era, even though like the show, mm-hmm. our podcast is going to keep going. Season three starts yeah, in like, so a close. week's time. We are so close, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like we've like climbed a mountain yeah. going over season one, even though it, yeah, was it does kind of feel that way. Weeks. It does. Yeah. But I had great fun watching everything in hindsight and I just, I cannot wait for season three next week I'm I'm just gonna lose my freaking mind and um I know if you haven't seen it already the trailer yes I have and I'm so excited for that me too it looks just as good as Riverdale and um I know initially they were like it's gonna be a crossover and we're gonna introduce this character and then they're like wait no we're not I feel like something is I'm curious there has to be some sort of overlap but it does seem like the world of Sabrina in Greendale is much, even as dark as Riverdale likes to touch on, it's nowhere near as dark as this other show tends to be. But I'm curious to see what happens around Halloween. Like, that would make sense if there was some sort of overlap. Because the thing is, if they introduce a supernatural Mm -hmm. character, then they have to follow those laws for the rest of the the show's, you know history there have to be I mean there could be like a one spooky Halloween episode where there's a crossover mm-hmm. and some strange things happen and everyone's like oh that was weird and then we never see anything again that would be warranted but if they introduced a supernatural character in more than one episode mm-hmm. in different context then that world would also yeah. have to be adopted so like you know if one of the characters say like Veronica or somebody decided to metal in that world then that would need to be real like that would have to be shown as a real thing and not like her losing yes, her yeah. mind or something totally. like that no, totally. you know what I mean so I don't know if they're ready to have those two worlds collide but I think they could do a crossover for uh, a Halloween episode and you know stuff is weird but then it, it all goes back to normal yeah no that I would do and I'm really interested to see if they do that or not well, we always like to end an episode asking ourselves, what would Betty do? But I think for this episode, I think we should not recap what Betty would do because not only was this the, the season finale, this was kind of a look mm-hmm. back at all of the episodes. So I feel like our listeners, if there's <laughs> any of you out there, <laughs> please be out there. We We want so badly to reach out and share our... Mm-hmm. our love for Riverdale with you but I feel like we should leave that up yeah. to our listeners if you, if you don't know by now then I don't know what, what you've been doing <laughs> exactly or if you're just you're joining us for the first time this is how we end the episode and yeah you have to work it figure out, it out man. this week <laughs> figure it out and then come back and listen to our first episode of season three and then we'll tell you how to work it out 
Woo! It'll be a new one. I'm so excited. Me too. Can't wait. Only a few more sleeps. <sighs> Goodness me. Well, until the, ne- the next one then. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.